answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Happy New Year to everybody. Yes. Right? Exciting uh, 2021. Woo! Hope you're sheltering in place at home, keeping your distance from everybody and all of your loved ones as <laughs> oh, you entered in the, the new 2020. really getting hard. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about yes, the, but, um, the big thing. But uh, there is, uh, yeah, we didn't go to a super spreader event this year. But Don't the nice, it. it's a new year, fresh start. It's one thing that's always nice about the new year. And as uh, as you think about the new years, look, we've been practicing financial advisors for three decades. We've got 13,000 clients, uh, I don't know, 70 or so advisors scattered around the country. What we found over the years is that oftentimes people will do some of their better financial planning at the beginning beginning of the year. Absolutely. Because it's the new year. It's like we look at all areas of our life. How's our diet? All that other stuff. And our finances as well. And so people engage more in the first quarter of the year for long-term financial planning than they do any other time of the year. Where if they don't have a financial advisor, they'll actually get a financial advisor or at a minimum, they do an assessment of their own financial situation, either uh, using online spreadsheets or at least measuring portfolio risk. Or If I'm still working, am I saving enough? Yeah. Am I saving in the right areas? How's, how are my, my investments allocated? Are they appropriate for me at this stage in my life, given what my circumstances are? Should I increase my 401k or 403b or 457 contributions? If I'm retired, January? Am I, is my portfolio constructed properly to both maximize the, my income needs as well as minimize my taxes? Should I Am I taking the income from the right sources? Should I be doing something different? Required minimum distributions are probably going to happen again this year unless there's another big change. Well, we don't know, right? Unless there's another tax change. Yes. It's, under current law, there's it's got said to be there. So there's um, <clears throat> these are the kind of things that it's always good at the beginning of the year to start thinking about your own personal financial planning. What are some steps that you can be doing this year? And it's just like every other discipline that you're looking at. Um, it's not about setting resolutions, New Year's resolutions, as much as it's like it's just a good time to take inventory, to take stock, making sure that um, – Things are set up the way they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, you don't have to make radical changes in order to be successful. Well, you and, might have to. But you might. <laughs> now, as I, said, I said you <laughs> don't. Some people may have to make radical changes. Normally, if you're, if you're a regular listener to this program, probably not. Yes, you probably just need to clean it up around the edges. So, yeah. so anyway, this program, uh, we are, are doing a best of calls Kicking off the beginning of the year. A lot of us are taking the weekend off. So it's a best of calls. So you might have heard these calls, but they're not just, this isn't just a rerun program. We did pick out some great calls to listen to that should be helpful for you as well. So we're going to start off here with Lynn. Lynn, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Hi. Hi, Lynn. What? How can we help? Well, I had a question the other day. Um, my son asked me about. Um, investing into an IRA, and this is a different kind of IRA. I have kind of a financial background, and I'm retired, and um, even retired from the CalPERS system. So I understand a lot about the retirement plans and um, options, but he posed one that I had not really considered, and he was getting ready to, or thinking he might want to open an account. And it was a, he makes, you know, the, when you you have the contribution limits for IRAs, but you also have the income limits, and so he's not able to contribute to a Roth or a traditional IRA. But this was a after-tax um, contribution into an IRA that he was talking okay. about. I'm not sure what it's actually called, but you contribute to your IRA with your after-tax money, mm-hmm. and... I guess the earnings grow tax-free, but the contributions just sit idle. Um, so, and then, 
you have to figure it out when you do finally get to your age and use it. Yeah, uh, kind of. Well, I didn't understand what the advantage was. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll walk you through that. So first of all, congratulations, Mom, uh, by have, for having a son <laughs> no. that's over the limits, which means for the rest of the listeners, her son is making so much money, he can't deduct an IRA. Yeah. And I was just talking about my one son who graduated from college, graduated from college and he just got his first job offer. He's going to be on the last week I talked about he's going to be on the camp crew for a travel company. Which uh, opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> so. Completely. And congratulations, Scott. <laughs> I mean, not even close. I mean, uh, I guarantee he can't make an IRA contribution because he won't have any income. So, uh, yeah, you're, I so, am very proud of him. Well, you should be. I mean, you should be. And if, his wife. Well, listen, if, if, and especially, you know, you want to raise kids that are happy and healthy. Yeah, was he talking about then converting this to a Roth or leaving it in a non-deductible IRA? Well, down the road, maybe. But right now, he's just thought it would be maybe advantageous for him to... He's also reading a book about wealth, and it might be advantageous for him to you know, start this vehicle and contribute up to his $6,000. So I, I am not a but fan at all. It's a all. vehicle. <laughs> I'm not a fan of non-deductible IRAs. But but if he made a non-deductible IRA contribution like you and I do, Scott, and then convert it to a Roth IRA the very next day, well, then that's, it makes perfect right. sense. Which is a backdoor Roth Right, because he's over the limit, so he can yeah, make this non-deductible. But let's talk for a moment here about non-deductible IRAs. So a non-deductible IRA, right. you put the money in, it grows tax-deferred, then down the road when you pull the money out, all your earnings, which your earnings are going to come out first, your earnings are taxed as ordinary income. That's right. That's Correct. right. That's right. That's right. And your earnings will be pro rata. Uh, on the distribution. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. And when when you get to the part that you put in, the principal that was already taxed once, you don't have to pay taxes the second time. Yeah, that's true. But it sounds like an annuity. I mean, but but what? what? A low cost annuity would. Well, no, it's exactly a low cost. But but you, he should. That won't be a problem if if he converts to a Roth IRA immediately. So what he can do. Convert it, but that wasn't his. Plan. Well, then he's, but that's, that's, well, so you, listen, you, you his, called and asked. His plan should is. be to convert that okay. immediately to a Roth. The very so next what, day. So, so that's what I do so for my own family. Into a yes. Roth. Yeah. I do it. I do it. Okay. I well, do it myself. But then, since then, I've thought about it longer, and I, and I found that he has a Roth 401k option. And he is already contributing to his 401k. It doesn't matter. I'm like, wouldn't you want to max your 401k or do your Roth 401k before you do this IRA option? If I were in his situation at the income level you're discussing, I would probably be doing exactly what he's doing. I'd be maximizing my pre-tax 401k and I'd be contributing. I'd only contribute to a non-deductible IRA if, in fact, I was going to convert that to a Roth I would not convert it otherwise. But, but I would you, not contribute to a non-deductible IRA otherwise. But, 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 what about the Roth 401? Yeah, I wouldn't use the Roth 401k. Not in California. Not in California. Oh. I, so, is, is he in California? Yes. Yeah, I, yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use the Roth. Too high of income tax. Yeah, and he doesn't know where he's going to end up, right? He may move to Nevada, Washington yeah. State, Florida. How is that benefit different from the Roth 401 to the Well, because he's paying 401k. taxes. Or to the IRA. Well, he's paying taxes before... They go in on that. So in the right. Roth 401k, he's paying taxes. Uh, so I would do... The Couldn't m- that also be converted to a Roth? Only is it just not at the same time? That uh, That's that's correct, I think. I'm not quite what sure what you're asking me. Yeah. What's well, he contributed to a Roth 401 that's and that's then right. converted that to a... He could roll it. He can roll it to a Roth IRA, but it wouldn't be a conversion. It's already been. So, so if if I was sitting down with your son, the first thing I would do is I'd walk through (laughs) this process. I'd say, "How do you have any kids?" Yes, I have a kid. Okay, you need some term life insurance. First thing before I put a dime anywhere. Then I'd look to see whether he needed disability insurance. Then I'd make sure his home was properly insured. Then I'd put the maximum into the 401k on a pre-tax basis. Then I would make a non-deductible IRA contribution convert it to a Roth. In that order. 100% in that order. So what I'd like you to do is to tell your son to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. 
Go to allworthfinancial.com. Have them subscribe to the new, the weekly newsletter, and we talk yes, about do, things yeah. like that. We'll t- get him to okay. as well. And then send him over our podcast and have him listen to this, and we'll he'll feel good oh, about cool. himself yeah. after we uh, talked about how much money this kid makes. <laughs> Which is not the only measure of value of somebody, Pat, because we already said what it is. Right. I understand you want to And it, it's a team. He's married, and, you know, they're both over that limit. So they're oh, very good. That's good. That's good. And as long as they're and healthy. We, I agree with Scott. It's not the only measure of value, but yeah. it is a measure of value. <laughs> it is a measure. <laughs> so and right. and as a parent, when your kids are not only self-supportive, but doing just fine financially, and you don't, you don't have to worry about them for that part Makes, of the thing. Like, there are a lot of one other things, things you can worry about. One less thing you need to worry about for the time being. Next, we're talking with Suzanne. Suzanne, you're with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of All Worth Money Matters. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing just fine. How can we help you today? It's great to talk to you. I, first you. of all, I just wanted to say um, I spoke with you, Scott, uh, back in 2008 on, on another call-in show. Um, and you talked me off the ledge of fear and panic. You, t- you said, don't panic, stay put. And it was the best advice anyone's ever given me. So thank you for that. Oh, well, good. Wow. Thank I'm, you. I'm going to say one thing. If, in your whole life, that's the best advice, not best financial advice. <laughs> I suggest. Well, you, okay, best financial advice. I suggest you go, you go out. and do a little more living. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Once you're allowed okay, to leave the house. Okay. Right. I stand corrected, yeah. I, I'm 60 <laughs> years funny. old, and I've done amazingly well managing my IRA portfolio with Vanguard Mutual Funds. Um, due to some health reasons, I'm having to... I'm, having to make some small early withdrawals starting when I turn 59 and a half, and I expect to continue to do this until I retire. My, my challenge right now is I've typically been a bit overbalanced in stocks versus bonds because, like a lot of people, you know, I've just been enjoying watching it go up. <laughs> um, but Can I be real direct start- with you? So you took yeah. my advice in 2008, but not the advice that I've been saying the last couple of years about rebalancing, yeah, getting back to the allocation. I, I That's all right. all right, here have, we are. I have been rebalancing. Okay. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so in 2019, I started rebalancing. The challenge I ran into is because the market kept going up. Every time I moved 1000 or 2000 it you know, the money that was still in stocks went up, and I, I have not been able to get even to 60, 40 stocks. I'm still more closer to probably um, 30, uh, maybe 35, 65. I, I don't okay, know. Okay, okay. I, I couldn't even bear to look at yesterday. Okay, so, but this isn't an IRA. It's in an IRA, but here's my question. Um, you know, I've taken a huge hit, obviously, like almost 40%. My question is, do I continue rebalancing even with Did, the market yeah, tumbling yeah, the way it yeah, is? Or yes. Wait? No, 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 no. Well, first of all, I don't believe that in the portfolio you described that you took a 40% hit. Unless the stocks you had were... Uh, it, it, Were you a lot in oil and gas and airlines? No, and- you know, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not 40%. I mean, the dollar amount... The dollar amount is just so much more than it was okay. in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just okay. feels that way. So, it is. So, you look, real quick on that, Pat. You know the hard thing, Suzanne, and here's what you got to not do. You look at, as, as we have more and more money, let's say a, a million bucks, a 10% would swing on a million bucks is $100,000. And it, people have it to internalize and think, oh my gosh, how much labor does it take for me to make that 100000 That's like, oh my, and that's how people internalize. And you can't look at it that way. You got to remember that as these are short-term declines. If we have a broadly diversified portfolio, the only way you make these, you lock these in, is by selling. Otherwise, it's temporary. It always well, has been temporary. Con- and that's why I'm concerned about rebalancing because if I and I and I did do uh, what I thought was a pretty substantial withdrawal on Friday when it went back up. I took out. Uh, 3000 which is not a huge amount, and I opened a new bond fund that I had kind of okay. been, I had Suzanne, some, yeah, so. Suzanne, Suzanne, yeah. you need a financial advisor. It's not that much money. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good... Um, I, I don't know that what's, financial... What's, what's the principal amount? We're talking before it went down, it was... A little over two fifty. Yeah, yeah. Listen, there are many financial advisors, including firms like our own, that work with clients 
anywhere from that amount to tens of millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. There's, 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 if you go and find a decent firm, I'm not, obviously I would advocate for my firm because right. some other fee-based firm, but there's many other fee-based firms. I don't know where you're located geography, I'm in, I'm in Sacramento. So, yeah. but you need a financial advisor. And here's why. If, if you had the, the plan in place in January, you wouldn't be in the position you're at right now, which is thinking, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how much I should have outside of the stock market because you've got some income needs, you've got some health, so you maybe your your maybe your cash flow needs are going to be different. Maybe your life expectancies has changed. All those different factors. The key is having a plan so that when times like this happen, and when this recovers, or and all those other things, that we don't have to we don't have to sit and say, uh oh, now what do I do? And when you say rebalance. It would actually, after the market decline, means rebalance into a Buying higher stock. equity exposure. Yeah. Unless, not- she, unless she had more higher percentage in stocks going into this than she should have had otherwise. I had higher. Well, I had And maybe you do percentage. don't. I don't know. I, no, I had higher percentage. And, you know, honestly, I had, I had sold substantially out of a couple of my really, really higher risk funds. But I was still holding them. And those, that's where I took a okay. hit. But my concern is if I continue the plan that I had now where I'm rebalancing. And when I say rebalancing, I do mean continue to move out of stocks into more bond funds. This may, it may or may not then, be the right then, time. Then I don't, then I don't recoup. That's right. Then, I, then That's it's right. going to take That's me a right. lot longer to get back to where so I was. So I think Pat's, Pat's point on rebalancing for most investors, had they had the proper allocation coming into this, a rebalance. No, no, tell the story. Scott, tell the story. Oh, we I had see it. what you're saying. We, no, I see what you're saying. February 20th is yeah. when we rebalanced. For the vast majority of our clients with uh, reti- in the retirement plans when there is no tax consequences, which caused us to sell stocks right before this. Not because we were clairvoyant. It was just we had a disciplined approach and had an investment plan, an investment strategy, a financial plan coming into this. And we will be buying more stocks. In the next in days, perhaps. Yeah, we're having a meeting on it tomorrow, and we will discuss, the team will discuss whether we should actually rebalance these portfolios. What does that mean? It means we would now, before, when we if did someone it February was supposed 20th, to be 50% in equities, and now they're 44%? We would buy more equities. So when you say rebalance, right. I think what you're saying is, should I sell stocks? And what we're saying is, Maybe, maybe not, but the time to worry about the portfolio is not in the middle of the storm. If you're out on a boat in the middle of the ocean and a storm comes up on you. I just wish I would have had a life vest with me. You, and I you don't I say, I wish I would have gone for that Coast Guard inspection. <laughs> I, was, I was doing it, though. I was in the process. So you maybe, but, and you might be you may or may not. I don't know. Right? So I don't one, know. Honestly, here's one way, I couldn't, yeah, one way I, to look I, at I, it. Quick and dirty yeah. is to say, do you have enough mon- money outside of stocks to provide the income that you're going to need from that account for the next five years? If you have enough outside of the stock market for the next five years, I would feel very confident and very comfortable having you leave it in there. And the reason I state that is, look, we've been we've been navigating and helping clients, guiding clients for, Pat and I have been working together almost 30 years. Yes. Well, I remember through the, the tech bubble running up and the, and the tech crash that in the 9-11, kind of the final nail on that thing, and the panic that ensued and the people selling at the worst times, that all recovered and came back. Then we had the financial crisis. We navigated people through that financial crisis. And it's a good rule of thumb. If you've got enough money outside of stocks to last year to take care of your income needs for the next five years, I would not rec- recommend selling stock. This is a blank- blanket statement. Every situation is unique, so I'm not trying to say that's right for everybody. I'm just stating that's, I think, a way to look at it right I'm now. Gonna, and I want to make another statement. You said you've done very well with Vanguard. There is nothing wrong with Vanguard, but Vanguard didn't do it for you. The asset class did. Yeah, and the, the way you allocated it. Right, the asset class and the way you allocated. And quite frankly, 20 years ago, Vanguard was about the only choice out there. For index funds. For index funds. They were now the, it's just, for, for us, we just look at the lowest cost. It, we're trying, yeah, to, they're all the we're trying to get exposure. What's the cheapest, lowest cost, as long as it's liquid and we can trade it when we need to in trade fact, it. In fact, we'll, you, you'll see us in our own iris sometimes move wholesale from one index fund to another index funds because it dropped by one basis points or yeah which is one 100 inside retirement accounts is the beautiful thing about it there's no tax consequences to think about let's now talk with roger roger with scott hansen and pat mcclain all worth money matters 
Hey, you guys hear me all right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I'm wondering about things like the national debt, all this excessive printing, these uh, what you call them, quantitative easing. Now, I know oh, that no, pro- past- it's not a problem anymore. It's just this. Haven't you read this modern monetary theory that this uh, MMT exactly. and you just keep printing? It's no problem. That's what it. What's your it's question? One of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, as one of the Federal Reserve bosses said in an interview recently, oh, there's no end in sight. And he was excited about it. Um, my thinking is this. Um, shouldn't everyone try to save at least a small quantity of actual physical uh, precious metal like you know, some gold coins or silver coins. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, a cigar box full of silver coins is ideal to have tucked away. Why? Whatever else you're invested in. Hyperinflation. I've looked at all these different cases, like the continental currency, the American Civil War in the South, especially. And we look at post-World War I, post-World War II, Zimbabwe, Venezuela. Paper money that they had depended on just crashed so terribly that you know, but you know who do, you know who do, you know who do the best during those t- uh, after those periods are not the ones with the coins but the ones that are connected politically and involved in the political change they're the ones who always come out so i i totally hear sure, where you're coming do. from here's why i don't own any and i think the same thoughts roger and when we, our national debt is now at about 23 trillion dollars which is more than 100% of our, our GDP in a good year, in a normal year. And I think when interest rates normalize at some point in time in the future and our interest payments on our debt is actually a real number. Uh, Above one. Right. I mean, how, how are we going to be able to, to afford this? And to your point, one way to deal with uh, paying back a, the debt is just to hyperinflate your currency and then 20 tr- $23 trillion is nothing, right? Right. So, and so there's a, there's part of, you can certainly say if we own some hard asset and it could be, doesn't necessarily need to be coins. It could be something else too. That's going to maintain its value. Well, I'm thinking about like when everything would crash, that if a person has something like that, I remember back during the gas crisis, they were actually accepting um, silver dimes in exchange for a gallon of gas, you know, things like that. And, Back in the German inflation, there were people that they literally got by just because they had spare change that they came across because all the paper was gone. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I've read quite a bit about that, um, which brought in the, the Nazis. <laughs> so how much? Uh, yeah. So how much? Here's why I don't have any. How, okay. I, cause, and I Go think ahead. the same thoughts. Maybe I take 5% and put it in some gold coins. And first of all, you got to find the right place to store it. But I think more of if things got that bad... Where my other 90 or 95% of my assets are now worthless. What's that 5% going to do for you? What am I going to do? Unless I have guns and want to come shoot my neighbor when he was trying, when he's <laughs> looking for food. No, I'm not. This is my thought I'm process. Not, yeah, I know. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not that, that guy. I can't, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Well, and so, maybe some other people are, I just for me, I can't think that way. All right. Well, another example. There's this one girl that she had been captured by the Russians at the end of World War II. Okay. Well, she managed to it's only an hour show. It'll be short. It'll be okay. short. I know. Just very short. Right. But anyway, she, she, well, here's what happened, though. She managed to escape, and she wound up in an American military camp. And they invited her to come in and have something to eat. And she was taken by the sight of this loaf of bread on the table. Because at that time, with the German money entirely gone, with everything destroyed, one loaf of bread would cost you one gold ring. And that's what the value was at that time. So again, you know, when the money goes to crap, there are other things that people do, not just bartering and all that. But I'm just saying is that when we look at it, the the coins that used to be of value, and I'm just talking ordinary common silver stuff like 64 quarters and, you know, dimes from the 1950s, whatever. But that Roger, does have Roger if you feel better, and you brought up mm-hmm. the examples of economies you brought up were also economies where they confiscated property. Zimbabwe, oh, true. Venezuela, so, they collectivized, but, oh, yeah. right? but, but and it, Germany if, as well. So if it, if it makes you feel better, then do it. Uh, but it isn't, it, it's not a factor of production, right? What determines the value of gold or, and or silver? The cost of actually getting it out of the ground, refining it, and turning it into gold and silver. At the end of the day, 
That's the true cost of gold and silver. Day to day, the price speculates based on the, the price moves based on emotion and speculation. But the real cost is the cost of actually refining it, finding it, getting it out of the ground, sure. refining it. But if it makes you feel better, yeah. do it. And I remember having this conversation literally 20, 29 years ago. Um, twenty. When was the first Gulf War with somebody? Uh, I remember this. Ha- I remember the guy specifically. This conversation. His name was Dick, uh, and it was the same kind of conversation. And it would have been an absolute disastrous investment. Yeah. But if you want to put a small percentage of your portfolio in and keep um, gold it or silver, then buried somewhere in your house, then have a good safe. Yeah, and but I, have a really good fireproof safe. Yeah, and and put it someplace that no one knows about it, and never mention it again. We're going to take a quick break uh, because that's what we do every week. (laughs) We haven't changed that. Don't change that. (laughs) Anyway, we come back. We'll continue on with some more best of calls kicking off 2021. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. And I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for sticking with yes, us. Yes, and as we are listening to some of our best of calls, my question for you, Pat, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Do I have any New Yes, I do, Scott. My New Year's resolutions is to complete the ones I didn't do last year. That is my New You're Year's... not a resolution guy. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I used to when I was younger and I didn't know myself as well. I would make resolutions. Now I just try to change incrementally um, in my life. It has to <laughs> That is funny because they're they tend to be more incremental changes. I'm going to do a little bit more of this, a little less than that. It's that, yeah. You've known me for 30 years. I was much heavier 15, 20 years ago than I am today. And just one day, I'm like, I'm going to eat less and exercise more. And and it didn't happen all at once, but it did happen over How time. How much more did you weigh? I don't remember. You oh, I did much a, a good 20 something. Okay, we said significantly. <laughs> I did this last week. Ran into a colleague. I uh, had. Uh, I said, well, you look great. I said, you lose some weight? He says, yeah, 80 pounds. Wow. I'm like, well, I guess you did lose some weight. Yeah. I didn't realize he had uh, that much to lose. But no. That's well, why I don't I, remember you being overweight. Well, I don't know if it's significant. There's a percentage of body weight. Anyway, that, we don't need to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your waist size now? There's <laughs> a percentage of body weight is how I think about it. You do? Yeah. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. Well, yeah, it's, it's, everything's relative, and it should be relative to what you started with. There's a guy at the gym. I always tell him I, uh, he's twice the man I am. Because <laughs> he's like 6'8 and weighs 300 pounds, 350. He, I don't know. Oh, he's he's massive. He's a big uh, power. And if you've seen me, I'm a buck and a half, 5'6". Uh, yeah, but strong like an ant. Strong, Thank you, Pat. I'm strong <laughs> like an ant. I can't lift that big guy up at the gym. But, but you're strong like an ant. I am half you the man. Run fast, carry things back to, the, to, to wherever you live. That's what ants do. Yeah, you think that's good? (laughs) I run fast and carry things back to where I live. What am I carrying back to where I live? (laughs) And look at that. Pat finds himself very humored right now. That is funny. (laughs) Thanks. All right, so as we're kicking off 2021, we've got some best of calls. Well, how about you? I'm sorry, do you have any resolutions? I didn't ask you. I'm trying to quit the show. Okay. Because <laughs> this guy keeps interrupting me. Yeah, no, I don't, actually. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to hear some of our best of calls. Next week, you'll hear some fresh calls from us uh, when things are kicking back up uh, for work-wise. So let's start off with Sean. Sean, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Thank well, you, Sean. Thanks for waiting. No, not a problem. So... Like your previous caller, I am in an emotional roller coaster, but a different kind of situation. Our employer basically last fall decided with our 401k plan to switch administrators. And the date of that was somewhat ironic that we entered basically into a blackout period from February 12th through March 18th, right? When oh the my gosh. To- <laughs> That's unbelievable. Exactly. 
Yeah. And so effectively, I'm 45 years old um, and I've been 100 percent in equities for basically my career. I don't plan to touch this for I know, at least 15, 20, 25 more years. Um, and so during that transition, essentially from one TPA to the other, my entire 401k balance was liquidated and put into a cash account. Are you sure? And then is, oh, yeah. Okay. And so then what happened was it was supposed to map. Basically, yeah. the new administrator was supposed to map it to like funds. Yes. Well, as the, as the market was crashing, the new administrator allowed employees to go into the new platform and basically stop that transfer and leave it in cash. Okay. Before the blackout period resolved. And so I saw the market crashing and it just created an emotional roller coaster. And so prior to the blackout ending, since it was already in cash, I just went in there and made one click on the computer and my entire 401k balance of 20 years was put it was kept into cash. You did so that so did you, came, on February 12th. Or so it started on February 12th and then yes. And so it was lit. It was, it was essentially the entire fund for the entire company. This is a small company in Sacramento, about eight and a half million dollars in the plan. And basically it was liquefied everything into a money market account and then it was supposed to map over so every on the same day have it mapped on, over. on the same day or the day no, after it was supposed to it was supposed to occur i think on the day after oh, yeah, we the same day or the day after they, yeah and okay. so we were able to go in any employee who chose to and i was one of them and okay basically say no don't map it over and i left it in cash got it got it got it got it so our fear was is that the third party administrator had made the mistake. You actually physically went I in was and clicked the that, button. I was hoping that they cashed you out on February 12th and uh, just mechanically and then bought you back in on March 18th. Okay, that so, been so you decided not to map. You decided to leave it in cash rather than map, correct? Correct. Okay, which, which date did you do that? that? What's it matter? Well, it. it well, I guess it technically matters. Matter. So it essentially it cashed out at the top, yeah. you know, on February 12th. And then on the 18th, I still had it in cash as it continued to drive down, uh -huh. you know, on the 20th and the, of March and so forth. Okay. And so now I'm having an opposite kind of emotional experience. And, and that is, okay, I'm sitting at 45 with my, with my entire 401k balance in cash. And how do I get back in the market? Just go, just in. go, in. So go, in. go in. in. Go in. Go in. Go in. Go in. So 100%. Go in. 25% a week. Go in. No, just nope. go in. 100%. Hundred percent. Look, okay. The 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 Well, the reality is, you might miss it by a week or two weeks or six or months, months or six months or whatever, right? But we're not going to know whether we missed it or didn't miss it. You're forty five. You've got twenty years to grow on this thing. You, you should have never hit that button to begin with, but you hit it. That damage is done or not done. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. We don't know. Um, well, it, I, for me, it's been good to the cash. It basically It'll be good if you get back in. If you get back in. The challenge yeah. is you've got okay. to be right. You've When you start time in the market, you have to be right not only when you sell, but when you buy. So the challenge you've got now is like, uh-oh, how do I get back in? Do I dollar cost average in? If so, how long? If dollar cost averaging was a technique to increase returns, then whenever you're fully invested, you should get sell everything out, go to cash, and dollar cost average back in over the next 12 or 24 months or whatever you need. Or do it in a cycle. Dollar cash in, dollar <laughs> cash out, dollar cash in, dollar cash out. It's more of an emotional thing that people feel better about. It, it, long term, it's not gonna, it if, doesn't enhance it, your returns. If, Sean, if it, were, if it were me, I'd do it today. I'd just Monday go in morning. and I would, or Monday morning, I would, well, you could put in the trades today. Um just go in and build the trades, build a portfolio that is 100% equities um, and 15 to 20% of it international exposure and let it, let it rip. Mostly large All cap. Right. And I would call yep. count this not as skill, but luck. Yeah, just luck. No, that's the new the new uh, administrator said that they had never seen such luck before. So I'll there we, take the yeah, luck. Well, luck counts too. It. Luck counts too. But sometimes people can confuse luck with skill. And then they they get hurt in the, down the road doing something else. But good for you. Well, so. and I'll t and I'll tell you, I've been I've been contributing for twenty years and have never thought about it. I, I'm one of those people that never opens up the statement and has been a hundred percent in equities. And I've lost more sleep in the last week every time the market's going up. Then I I just don't oh, want to ever think about it again. So so you're what's interesting is look so the and, last caller Ron 
he had a he had a he had <laughs> yeah. fear on his shoulder, and that was and you, causing him angst. And you had greed on your shoulder, which is causing <laughs> you angst, right? I don't know if you call. I mean, greed's well, a weird look, word. Look, but Scott, there is there's we all have these two emotions, right? Fear and and wanting more and wanting more. We won't call. It well, he knows that long term, it's not going to have yeah. a retirement if he's just in cash. Sean, what's the account balance today? Uh, about eight hundred. Okay, good for you. So, and the 45. reason I ask that question is, well, I started uh, my very first real job out of college. I started putting the maximum I could into a four hundred one k, even though I couldn't afford it. And I, I have a bunch of college aid kids that my own that their friends come to me and they say, Mr. McLean, I got this job. Can you allocate the 401k? And then I say, well, you don't have to call me Mr. McLean anymore. You can call me Pat because <laughs> you are an adult. <laughs> and then I share with them the experiences of putting money in on a consistent basis where your account balance will be $800,000 or a million dollars in 20 or 25 years. And they, they find it hard to believe, but you're a perfect example. You've been yeah. putting pretty close to the maximum the whole time, I guess, and you've kept it all equities. And it's that's why, if you look at your deposits, it's probably a third of the amount of what the account balance is. Right, right. Good for and you. And it needs to just sit there for another 20 years. That's, so that's right. That's how I'm looking at it. Well, and But keep this in mind, Sean. Um, one, the day you go back in, surely the next day the markets are going to fall. It just happens. <laughs> Just happens. You once you buy into something, it's gonna fall the next day. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> historically correct or not, but it just feels that way. It seems that way. So be prepared, and be prepared for the S and P five hundred, the overall market, to hit new lows. It could very well go lower than what it's been, or not, or not. We have no idea. And if anyone had any idea, then we wouldn't have to be long term investors. We could just be yeah, great speculators. And I think that's what was making me nervous because I was I'd never been in this situation before and I was thinking, should I put twenty five percent in now and wow. go twenty five a week for four weeks or, or, no. or once a month or no. whatnot? Yeah. You know what you should hope okay. for just selfishly? You should hope the next decade is absolutely dreadful returns for the stock market. You should hope that the economy gets back growing, things go well, but everyone's fearful of stocks because you are putting money in every paycheck, you're buying more. So you should hope, actually, for the next 20 years, dismal returns for equity investors and a tremendous rally right before you retire. Fair enough. Yeah, but buying low. Scott, don't say that. I said for him personally. Selfishly, So what, yes. what I'm, but, but the point for is him, when you're 45, so. these are dollars you're not going to need yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. We know the highest probability of success for you is to stay fully invested during these times. I'm 53. My 401k is 100% in equities. Um, and I'm 57 and mine is as it, well. It, it might fall much further. I don't know. It does. I'm pretty confident that 20 years now it's going to be much higher than it's it is today. what the value is on the, of that particular part of the portfolio. The day you need it. The day you need it. Not the whole portfolio, just that particular part of the portfolio when the day you need it. Yeah. So appreciate the call. Let's now talk with Gary. Gary, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, so um, I've been impacted by job actions at work. I'm 52, have a 401k, so I understand I can pull my money out and move it into an IRA. And so I've been managing my own money for the last 30 years, doing the uh, you know the, the proper adjustments between large cap, small cap, et cetera. I'm 100% equities following your show and, and guidelines and whatnot. But I'm approaching that point in my life where, well, not only did the, the job riskiness kind of jump up in the last couple of weeks, but um, I, I'm wondering if at 52 – um, is it time now to look at uh, moving out, moving the risk bar down a bit? But larger than that, is it too soon to engage a firm like yourself that will offer me some management aspects that I, I just don't have the skill set to do? Um, you know, in, investing in REITs and bonds and all this type of stuff that gets me out of the 401k and into an IRA with a lot more options. So the, the first uh, question is, yes, you should probably take a look at your allocations. And um, it may be – you may be fine at 100% equities, uh, but you may want to bring it down a little. Yeah, tell us about – so – it, it, this is not uncommon. You're 52. It, so uh, when let's go back a month, a month ago before things started happening at work, when were you planning on retiring? 
I'm shooting for 62 to 65. So I got about 10 years ish left. And are you at a point now that you're concerned that maybe your job's not going to be around a year from now and you might have to go find something different and you don't know what that's like because you haven't been in the job market for a long time or? Well, I'm in the midst of that right now. <laughs> the the uh, uh, exit date is, is approaching. So I'm in the, oh. the job hunt market. Yeah. And what's so, the outlook for you? Um, well, I hope it's good. It's only been six weeks in. My wife says I need to be more patient and, and whatnot, which God didn't bless me with. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. I tell you, I had, a, so I'm not telling this to scare you. I'm just giving, giving I have a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he mid fifties. He's got a master's degree from Pepperdine. Was with the same company 21 years. One day they did a reorg. He's out, right? It took him 11 months to get a job. To get the job he wanted. Yeah, and that may be well, the case. He, I've been in this place okay. 28 years, so it's a similar footprint. So you've been there for 28 years. Yeah. Well, to get a career job to continue forward, yes. It's, it's, it, without relocating is oftentimes the difficult part, depending upon how far up you are in the pyramid of the company. Yeah, and I think what happens, uh, Gary, and what you probably experience, as you get further in your career, you become really great at a couple things, right? And a specialist in a few, few different areas, and sometimes it may, and you've got a certain income level that you need to replace. But I, I, the only reason I'm saying this is because you said your wife said, give it some time. And these things can yeah. take time and don't lose hope. And it's, it, I think it's, it's particularly hard as we get a little older in life. We've had some of the major milestones that life had, you know, happens. And then it's like, are we still, of, are we still needed here in the marketplace? Are we still of value? Uh, right? And all those emotions start kind of going through our head. And then we start qu- second questioning and that, oh, Maybe I need to start taking money from my retirement account now at 52, so maybe I'm overly aggressive. And it all kind of happens at the same time. But in, Yeah, in, exactly. In, and and I'm, I'm wondering, is the uh, do I just continue on with my, my investment mindset? So tell us about your situation. Is, is now the right time? Do you have any kids that you're still supporting? A uh, uh, boy in high school, and I have a, another son that's in college, and he's paying his own way, so I just got a, a youngster that'll be going to college in a couple of years. And does your wife have a job outside the home? Yes, she does. And uh, what do you owe on your house? About two fifty. What's the value of the home? Probably a little over five. Do you have a lot much in the way of other debts? No. What? No debt at all. Good for you. What do you have as in your four hundred one k IRAs? I'm sitting on mine about uh, just shy of 1.2. My wife's got about 250, and we have some cash holdings and stock and savings. You guys are great savers. How much do you have in cash and stock? And um, about 120 in cash and about 100 in stock. So the answer to the question <laughs> is: Is and what's your al- well? What's your annual income? Approximately. Uh, Personally, um, just you. Per- just me. About 150. Okay. So you guys are great savers. Great savers. Uh, I don't know if you need me to tell you that, but you've, yeah. you've done a good job. Um, the allocation may or may not be too risky. Uh, what, I, were you, what were you going into the financial crisis? I know you're younger then. Oh, I, but. Yeah, I was younger. We, we rode it through. I, I'm, I rode that thing through, and it has been a, a, a great run. I, but – you know, getting closer to that 62 age, yeah. you know, there become some realities where you have to be strategic in your thoughts and, and not as bold as you were when you were 35. So the mirror, so the question we're having, this is the, I can't speak for Scott, but the question I'm asking myself, is this a reaction to what happened um, in your job life, which isn't yes. unusual? Which and, is, and frankly, there are times when there's events in life that causes us to have a kind of a different risk profile than what at other times we're saying, I have so many uncertainties in my life now that I want a little more certainty with my investments. Which is, so I think lowering the uh, – and if you came into our office, we would actually bring you through a risk analysis, a program that would help us understand what that is um, today, right? It may not be the same. Your risk could be different two years from now it, it, as it was two years ago. But even if you're looking – so let's say you plan on full retirement 10 years out. You're not going to spend your entire – 401k at 62, you're just going to take some income on it. But, so, but Scott, he's got, he's a, such a great saver and he's going to continue to save for another 
uh, 10 years, to move this portfolio to 80 or 85 or 90% stocks is not a big deal, um, down from 100% uh, percent in equities. So the answer to the question I is- I would agree. If you, if you trim some of the equity exposure off by 10 or 15%, I don't think that you would be hurting yourself um, over the long term. And we, and, are, and we are pretty deep into a bull market. And yeah, I don't. Are, do you think there's any value in uh, funds that I don't readily have access to, like REITs and all that? That I would move this into. Oh, absolutely. You know, a realm where you manage for me, and uh, you know, give me a, a, a far more broad, diverse uh, diversification uh, of. Absolutely. Well, the, 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 one of the reasons that people actually use IRAs versus the 401k is because of that. If you were over age 55, our answer might be a little bit different. Um, between the ages of 55 and 59 and a half, um, maybe a little bit different. So if you came in to visit with our firm, or I would say any good financial planning firm. Independent fiduciary firm. They're, they're going to, the good ones will want to do a financial plan on you. And the questions you would ask is, you know, can I retire in 10 years? And what will it look like? That, and I also think, what is your, what is your income need right now? Because you've been oh. at 150, and, I, and maybe you could live at 100. And still yeah, get to your objective. We can we can live on my wife's salary. It's, it's, it'll be tight, but we can. No, we no, can no, 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 what, no, no. What 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 I'm meaning is, and and maybe you've maybe you'll find the job the the perfect job you just absolutely love and it pays you one fifty a year. Maybe, but when I'm just thinking, what if there's some job that you absolutely love? Like this would be a great job, but it and it's man, it only pays me one hundred and ten. I've been making one fifty. I don't want to take that big of a a step back. This is where some financial planning might be helpful for you because we've seen a lot of times, Gary, and I don't, you may have loved your job you're in, you're not, but we've seen a lot of people, they've kind of in this grind, they're like, ah, I'm going to retire in seven years, counting down the years. I'm like, why? Well, I, I don't like what I'm doing or what? And, and through some planning and whatnot, they went and found other careers, sometimes not at the same pay level, but it's so much, they enjoy it so much more. They're saying, I'm fine working another year too. What I'm questioning is you might already have enough in retirement savings now that if you project out another 10 years from now without much in additional savings, you might still be fine. What's so, your retirement look like? So that's what you're going to get out of a good financial advisor as well as the asset management of how those dollars are being allocated and how quickly they're being watched or closely they're being watched. So I, I have one question on the fee structure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the fees that you that you charge, you know, whether it's 0.9 or 1.1 percent or whatever, is that inclusive of the fees that are charged normally within? When you look at the the fee costs within a particular fund, no, or is that on top of? It's, it's on, on top, top of. of. Okay. So, but the the fees, you know, a good advisor is going to be very low cost funds. Yeah, the fees are going to be pretty low cost. Ba yeah, and, basis points. Uh, and if you look at pricing, uh, in terms of pricing, I can only speak for ourselves. We're about middle of the road. In terms of pricing, we're not either on the high side, we're not yeah. on the low side, but, um, you know. But talk to a couple of advisors. I think yeah, it would spend be. spend the time. Uh, particularly now that okay. you've got some, uh, once, once your job's over and you've got some time. Yeah, and there's no hurry to roll that 401k into an IRA either. Now let's talk with Mean. Mean, you're with Always Money Matters. Oh, hi. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. I, I have a question about uh, the uh, taking advantage of the mortgage rate has you know been uh, out lately yeah and, and uh, i found a, you know there's a couple of companies on the internet that basically advertise a no cost fee as a really great rate uh, no no point no cost yeah but uh they, the the minimum requirement is a three hundred thousand dollar lo uh, loan amount and i'm at 275 so i'm twenty five thousand away from that uh and if, if i want to take advantage of that with that particular uh, loan amount, they want to charge me like a 1.5% origination fee, right? <laughs> so, so, so one of my thought was to get around this. Would you recommend maybe toying around with doing getting a second on that home? Why couldn't it'll you just, cost a lot less? Why couldn't you just? A second's not going to accomplish your objective. So <laughs> you've got a mortgage now of 274,000, and you want to get a lower rate on it. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, what you you got to run the numbers and see what's the cheapest, but it might be less expensive for you to do the three hundred thousand dollar loan. As soon as the mm -hmm. loan closes, you simply write a check for twenty six thousand dollars to your mortgage company and pay down your principal. The, the problem is that they they, they want they, it. It goes from a zero point to a one one point five. Yeah, so get the, take a three hundred thousand dollar loan. If the, yeah. assuming there's no prepayment penalties, which normally uh, there's not. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you, but it'll cost. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you 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 stated earlier that three hundred thousand dollars. They they don't charge anything. Is that? Oh no no. It's actually they they don't charge me. At, here's the weird thing for two hundred seventy four thousand uh, dollars. If, you pay if my costs. loan balance, yeah yeah. Oh, if your so loan balance. What about if you take out some cash out? That's the problem. And so I, 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 I basically say, hey, what if I take cash out? Yeah, you could do that. But that's when they up oh, the origination. What, oh, what, like make what, some wait, other phone calls. Yeah, yeah. What's your, uh, <laughs> what's your interest rate on your mortgage today? At 3.5 right now. Well, you should definitely refinance. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, I'm in my 50. I'm just, I'm, uh, you know, one year below 50, I should say. Okay, so I do uh, a 15-year fixed rate and just go yeah. to a local brokerage firm. They all have access to the same products, by the way. The the advertised internet rate is really crazy. I mean, I'm looking. Yeah, at, but they're not delivering it to yeah, you. But, but you <laughs> yeah. just said that it's not yeah. really what they said, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So here yeah, you are, and they're right. finding they're finding ways where they they where they're yeah, not going to offer that to you. It. You know, it's almost like a switch and bait, right? Well, no, 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 that's what, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or bait and switch. Yeah, bait and switch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But but the 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 idea though. Uh, what you're saying makes sense. You should but refinance it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So if they're, no, the, no. the no cost ones are going to have slightly higher rates and they bury that in. What ends up happening, the brokerage firm yeah. eats the cost. They are paying the title yeah. company. They're paying all those fees. They yeah. get paid. So they, in order for that loan to be valuable in the secondary marketplace, it yeah. has to have a slightly higher rate than what's. By the way, what Scott yeah. says there is yeah. tr- the 100% the truth, which is yeah. the secondary marketplace actually determines the interest rate on the loans. 100%. Not the okay. not your typical lender today. So those yeah. that actually are saying no cost, no fee, their interest yeah. rates will be a little bit higher or yeah. they'll accept a, a lower margin. So I use, you could go to a, like a loandepot.com, which is okay. a reputable one, or you could go to yeah. Rocket Mortgage, which is a reputable firm, or you could okay. go to your local broker and I yeah. would compare all three of those rates. I'd go to LoanDepot.com, yeah. I'd go to Rocket Mortgage, and then I'd go to the local guy on the corner. But it's or girl. The, the fact that it say it has to be for a three hundred thousand dollar loan, and you say that's fine, I'll take a three hundred thousand dollar loan, and they come back and say, "Whoa, wait a minute, you've got to take yeah. twenty six thousand dollar cash out. It's not going to qualify." Yeah. But if you sign here today, press hard three copies, we will get to yeah. this one. Right? I I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, stay away from them. Basically, what you yeah, said. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything with them. I just wouldn't. If especially if you use the word bait and switch, because I typically yeah. are trying to stay away from doing business with people who I don't feel good about. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That is all the time we have. Happy New Year to everybody. We will see you next week. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.